Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the next episode of The Grind. We are glad to have you back as summer is winding down, coming to a close. My daughter's getting ready to head off to college. It's been a weird summer. And so, Chad, how are you? Dave, I'm doing great. It's fall weather out there uh, in August. the first of August. It's it's amazing. Early eight or low 80s yeah. to mid 80s. Living the dream. Yeah, it's awesome. So, it is. Uh, uh, evidently, Jesus is about to come back. Uh, yeah. Hell Some, is freezing over. That's right. Because it's happening. low 80s in August. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, anyway... All right, well, we're glad to be back, and we're excited today to have our good buddy Wade Burnett from, let's see, how, what kind of title can we give you? The 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 Grand Poobah of Multisite. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take any of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, help lead multi-site solutions. That'd probably be the yeah, easiest yeah. way to yeah. describe it. So Wade is uh, uh, staff of Multisite Solutions, and uh, I guess the heir apparent to Jim Tomberlin. Uh, yeah, that's so our to plan. speak. We're yeah. willing. That's, yeah, the that's the plan. So we tell people um, we're partnering in the present of multi-site, but he brought he brought us to here, and then he's supposed to hand me the ball, and I'll I'll take it forward wherever it goes from there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm to blame, I <laughs> guess, for, if it doesn't go well in the future. <laughs> if it all falls apart, ladies and gentlemen. Wade at multi-site solutions dot com. There you go. I'll, I'll <laughs> take the responsibility. Right. There you go. There you go. Uh, we're excited to have Wade on, and uh, we're talking a lot of multi-site uh, stuff here in Arkansas, and uh, a lot of our church planners, a lot of our pastors wrestling with this, trying to figure out best practices and models and all that stuff. So we wanted to have Wade on to kind of unpack some of that and talk multi-site. Before we get into that, why don't uh, kind of give a you know picture ministry background, leading, uh, including leading up to uh, coming on at multi-site solutions. Sure. Thanks. Uh, well, one, just thank y'all for having me. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to be down there uh, in a couple months yeah. to, to talk multi-site with some churches who are a part of that conversation or interested in in uh, exploring it. Um, my All of my background and my wife's um, for generations back is in Louisiana. Hmm. So um, Jim and I sort of came at multi-site from the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, he went to seminary, was a pastor overseas and an associate pastor. And then uh, his uh, lead pastor job that was really like where he invested his life, where he raised his family, where he built a home was in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And um, he jokingly says uh, the church was 400 people when they hired him he grew it down to 200 people yeah. over the course of the year. Um, but then he just sort of experienced, this was uh, when Willow Creek was, was the kind of the dominant voice, Willow Creek and Saddleback, um, you know, eighties, uh, early nineties, they were a part of those conversations in his church in Colorado Springs. And, and they experienced that growth trajectory uh, of a mega church. They got to 5,000 people and uh, had built a big building um, still owed some money on the building, but we're, we're out of room again. 
and didn't know what to do. So he started piloting multi-site without even knowing really the word or, you know, any of the actual practical ways to do it. You know, he just, and actually guys, the, the catalyst for him was watching a Willow Creek leadership summit. You know, they're on video now. It's a, it's a no brainer. Everybody goes to a church in town and watches them. But that was a really revolutionary thing to beam that out live by satellite in the early days uh, of that conference. So Jim was a host in his new building and he was watching pastors watch the video and started thinking this, this could work uh, for our church. So long story short, that was his, his pathway into this. And he ended up being invited by Bill Hybels to come to Willow Creek and pioneer a multi-site model for them across Chicagoland. Um, and then I jokingly tell people that Jim's work over the next 10 or 15 years, if he ever needs affirmation that it penetrated everywhere, it got all the way to me in Ruston, Louisiana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you get to Ruston um, from Chicago? Yeah, but it you got to take a P road. You know, yeah, you gotta, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. My my family's from North Louisiana. My my mom's from Ruston. My dad's from Minden. My grandparents yeah. have roots in Ida. You know where Ida, yeah, I Louisiana know where Ida is. is. So. It's an exit on the interstate. Yeah, yeah. Ida is that? Yeah, I think so. We spent yeah. uh, eight years in South Louisiana, so I got a lot of Louisiana ties. So it's yeah. pretty cool. Well, you know how. Um, like pioneering and innovative and resource rich North Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just Th- like Chicago. Are, yeah, yeah, those are all adjectives I, when I think of uh, Northern Louisiana. That's yeah, what I yeah. think of. So. And Arkansas. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Dave, you know the story, but, but the short version of it for me is everything I did to uh, find myself doing this really was an unexpected mm-hmm. step. I didn't have a, a plan. Um, in any way, I, uh, w- my wife and I weren't even really wanting to move back to Louisiana. We were um, uh, expecting our first child and uh, moved back. And I, my, my thought process then was I was a young attorney about to have a baby. I was going to hang out a shingle and, and just kind of, you know, that was going to be our life. I would invest in the local church as a lay leader and you know, whatever the church needed, I, I would, but what we experienced was the, the birth of a church. Um, like we were part of it when it was just eight people. Uh, I found myself doing more and more leadership stuff associated with that. Most of the folks that were part of that group were in their thirties and forties and I was in my mid twenties. Um, so I think everybody just felt like, well, he's got time to, to do this, you know? And so <laughs> I, I found myself doing all the things that, needed done. Uh, and, and again, this is a long story, but over the course of 10 or 12 years, we, we went from that small handful of people to a, to a group that was asked our church group. Uh, we hired staff. I ended up going on staff and helping lead full time. That was my big ministry transition. And we got, we were asked to adopt or consider merging with another church. Uh, and, and I Googled, uh, Jim and I still laugh about this. My my query, my search terms on Google were, uh, "Are church mergers a thing?" <laughs> I, like that was the full limit of my knowledge. Um, and this guy named Jim Jim Tomerlin starts popping up uh, on all the search results. So he became my consultant, um, and it was a godsend. I mean, it was just an answer prayer on so many levels. We became great friends. Uh, he started asking me to consider doing this. You know, he just, he, he felt like there was, um, uh, 
you know, a way that, that my training, I was a litigator. So my, my training in the law was to spot issues and help tell stories and understand systems. Uh, but then I had, you know, this 10 or 12 years of experience pastoring a local church from being very small, then through a merger and being multi-site and all that. So I started tagging along with Jim um, to watch what he did. And the more I did it, the more I realized I loved this. Yeah. So uh, about five years ago, we moved to Nashville. Um, my family, my wife, our three kids moved here. Uh, I do this full time. We have a team of people that help us do this around the country. And um, it's been a wonderful uh, privilege. And then, as you know, anytime I, I do a lot of work uh, on an ongoing basis, like I stay connected to a lot of churches in Louisiana yeah. uh, because of the uniqueness of that kind of environment. Um, it doesn't matter if it's in the city or, or in the country. It's just a, a unique part of the world like Arkansas. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm excited to hear more, learn more, see more about the conversation that's going on there with you guys too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's fun. I, you know, you talk about being a lawyer before jumping in the ministry. We, we just had our annual strategy planning retreat, which is all team leaders and executive staff. And uh, we were going around the room. There were 15, 16 of us in the room and, and just kind of, I don't even remember how the conversation came up, but out of all those guys in the room, team leaders, assistant team leaders, and executive staff, only three had Bible college degrees. Yeah, they all started out somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Whether it was law, uh, engineering, several engineering guys. I started out in engineering and then started yep. the ministry. Uh, you know, banking, finance, marketing—you name it. It was it was fascinating. Uh, none of us had even thought about that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, only three had Bible college. Now everybody had seminary except for one or two. But. Uh, but we didn't start that way, and yeah. uh, which was was fascinating. Which for us as church planners, you know, trying to recruit new church planners, we're trying to get pastors to see, look, these guys are sitting in your pews. Yes. They're they're like Wade Burnett, who's saying, you know, I'm yeah. doing this, but I really feel God calling me to to ministry. So, Amen. That's, that's, that's a. I really think that's a bigger part of my personal story uh, than than the multi-site conversation. I think multi-site is an expression of a lot of thing that's go- things that are going on in the church, but what you just named, I feel like is, uh, it's a core part of who I am because yeah. I, I still identify much more with the guy sitting out there in the pews than I do the guy who's had, you know, the the doctoral programs and training and all that. Yeah. Um, I just don't have that reference point. Yeah. Uh, so I totally I probably spent more time studying church and systems and those kinds of things over the last decade than, you know, just about anybody. So yeah. I want to know these models. Um, but the way that I see all that experience, all that is still as the guy sitting out there in the church. If yeah. it doesn't reach to them, it, it's hmm. not really doing what it's supposed to. Right. Exactly. What, yeah. what would you say to a guy who's sitting in the pew with an itch, maybe similar to what, what you're talking about, who's maybe thinking there's more, that I'm supposed to be doing than attending a service and maybe greeting or I mean, yeah. just from a guy who's done it. This is a little bit of a side trail in our conversation. No, no, but, that's great. I, but I you love did, this trail. You did say uh, that you, you identify with that. I'd, I'd love yeah, to know what, yeah. just what you'd say yeah. to him. No, I'm glad to um, dive in there. I, I ask that question. I get to do some conference stuff with guys that uh, I really admire. Um, and uh, one of the questions I try to ask, 
ask when we're in those settings is this exact thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you were able to talk to me when I was 25, I want to make a difference. I want to use my gifts. What would you say? And I've just sort of compiled all those answers over the years. I don't know that I've heard one that I, that as soon as I heard it, I went like, that's it. That's what I want the 25 year old guy to know. Um, So I think I can kind of scratch around the edges um, but for most of those guys, they've been trained to do something else. And, and I think the biggest um, kind of uh, practical step that I can give to them is don't create a crisis for your family. That's, that's what I try and tell them right up front. Wow. Um, yeah. Because so many of them are drawn into these conversations by they are leaders. They do want to make a difference. They do want to do something that matters. Um, but I think you can really get in a ditch quick wow. if, if you don't understand what that actually means practically. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I think there's a needed, you know, like, I don't know if you call it, a, you know, like going into the desert or, or Paul's experience, just <laughs> learning what it meant to be in the church rather than in leadership of, you know, the different things he was a part of before. But there's a there's a sense in which those guys just need to be around us for a long time and see, Oh, this is what it is. Yeah, you know, mm, it's yeah. a real practical thing. Yeah. Um, not just an idealistic thing and yeah. then begin to factor that into the decision. So yeah, that's usually like the least popular advice I can give. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I think but, it's really good. Uh, I just wanted to yeah. pick your brain on that. Cause we, well, Chad, I would say my reason for doing that is I want them to do it for 40 years, not four years. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, yep. That energy of a 25 year old to jump, you know, or honestly a 45 year old who's not happy with what they're doing. Yeah. That lasts about four years. Yeah. Wow. Um, so Yeah. That that would be my my big idea. So so back on the back on the interstate now after that exit. Uh, well, yep. Need a pit stop there. Snacks. With, with some of our guys are just kind of getting down the road of multi site. Based on your journey, what what are some of the blessings and challenges uh, that you saw during your multi site uh, kind of moving to multi site that you think would help them? Just just yeah. from your experience. Um. This is to guys who are who are doing it already, or who are thinking yeah, about yeah, who are it. thinking about doing it, just getting started. Okay, yeah, um, to guys who are go- just getting started, I would say good luck. Uh, you're already <laughs> in it. You, know? I, uh, you already know it's hard. To guys who are thinking about it, um, I try to tell them uh, how big of a deal this is. That's the main thing I want guys to hear. Is um, if if I told us a church that needed, you know, whatever it might be, $3 million or, or whatever in order to, you know, prepare for a new season or create more space for people to be a part of their body or whatever it is. And they know that. And then I say, okay, but think about having to raise 6 million, you know, you, you know, you need three, but think about having to raise six and the way that feels for you. That's the way multi-site is. Mm. Um, like you, you could maybe agree with and understand the first half of what all's involved with it. And that can be really, really exciting. But to commit to building the foundation for this to work, to investing in the people uh, that you'll need in order to, you know, live out life as a church across more than one location, um, it's it's more than twice. You know, it's what we tell people. Two, two locations is more than twice as hard. Mm, yeah. You also have more than twice the impact. Uh, but most people either don't if they're new to the conversation, most people don't apprehend how significant that commit commitment is right up front. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's bigger than you think. 
Yeah. Well, we're, I'm a part of uh, Summit Church in North Little Rock. Bill Elif. I don't know if you know Bill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, we've just gone to three campuses and uh, looking at a potential you know, other campuses as well. So kind of gone from one to two to three now. And yeah. it's been fun watching that. And, and the questions have changed, you know, from the early days to, uh, you know, the third campus and, you know, leadership issues and resource issues and accountability issues and, and all of that stuff. So what, what would you say are kind of the, um, I don't know, top two, three, four, five essential questions that have to be answered uh, and I know they're probably different from going from one to two or three and then going from three to like six or seven because I know you kind of yeah. break that up you know some uh, so what would be you know for a guy saying okay I've got one campus we need to expand to two or we're at two need to expand to three what are those kind of core essential questions they have to answer well I would say backing up from that just a little bit for me multi-site the the easiest way for me to understand it when I when I was studying this and really prayerfully trying to discern is this what the Lord's calling me to do you know as I as I walk with and serve him is this what is this my ministry uh the big question for me was like what is it you know what is <laughs> what is multi-science yeah. is, is it a strategy is it a model of church you know I need and and the easiest way for me to, to communicate what it is to leaders and pastors and churches is it's a competency. It's, it's like, it is a, it is a different, you have a competency to preach sermons, um, to lead a staff team, to uh, communicate vision and get a large group of people on the same page. You know, you, we have those competencies. Mm-hmm. Well, multi-site is its own competency hmm. and it's not one that anybody trains us how to do. So, you know, I try and explain to folks that there's about 20 years worth of doing it wrong that you need to learn from yeah. so that you don't have to uh, experience all that headache uh, on the front ends. But the, the easiest thing, if I can get somebody's head wrapped around that, that it is a competency and I don't have it yet, and it, it gets uh, folks in a learning posture, the other stuff's really, really easy to, to get. Now, the other thing I like to teach folks is it's like a marriage in that it introduces tensions to your church that never go away. Uh, uh, yeah. it, it's not like you ever solve multi-site. It, it is like getting married in that sense. And you'll mm-hmm. have seasons that are great and very fulfilling and seasons that are more challenging. And you have to go through different, you know, um, kind of negotiating those seasons, like different ways. All of that's a part of it. Um, so within that context, that it's a competency and it introduces tensions that don't go away. Uh, the, the big things that we try and communicate are just core pieces that are a part of every launch. Um, unless you're truly doing a house church or a, a missional only expression of the church, um, you're going to have a leader. You're going to meet somewhere. You know, you're going to have a group of people that go with you. There's going to be some other folks that you pay to do things. You know, those are core parts of all of it. Uh, And the big question for most guys is, do we do those the same way there that we do them here? Yeah. And if we're not going to do them the same way there, why? Yeah. You know, um, and you, the way you, uh, decide those things, it puts you on one of two different roads. You either start tracking like this or you start tracking like that. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's that's probably the big thing 
that I would want to communicate to folks. And that's what I meant earlier by the foundation, how much work you have to do uh, on the front end. Yeah. Uh, it's Dave, you know this because y'all are in the minority getting to three campuses that you've launched. Not many churches ever get there. Yeah. You get better at it. You yeah. Get, you see things quicker. And um, yeah, I'm sure you've seen that if, if you've gotten to three. Well, two, two big issues we've seen is our main, we go to the main campus and it's a completely different church because of the number of people we've sent out. Um, and this is all within three years. Uh, so our Conway campus sent 115 people out to do that one. And then the Saline County campus, there were about 170, 180 uh, that were commissioned out of that. And so there's you know almost yeah. 300 people that are now yeah. no longer at the main campus that oh. were. And so yep. it affected budget. It affected uh, leadership and all of that. And so this morning, we're having men's prayer time this morning. And uh, Bill's uh, pastor said, you know, pray for our church. We have so many new people. Now, that's the great thing huh. is we're the same size now as when we just launched Saline County. So yep. we're back. We've replaced all those people, but everybody's brand new. And yes. uh, so that's that's another set of challenges is to well, get everybody Well, what you trained. just named, Dave, I, I – this is probably when, when we go meet with a staff team, this is the biggest tension. Yeah. Um, because if you just picture a, a really like gifted, passionate children's ministry leader who's been on staff for eight or 10 years, they've got their team in place. Yeah. And, and one of the first questions we get when we describe what all goes into a launch is, wait, you're going to send these people <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. out of my ministry to go do it somewhere else. And then it immediately, you know, these are smart folks on these staff teams. They immediately realize I have to do all that again. Uh, yep. Um, and I think, you know, there's this, there's this dynamic that we all recognize. If you've ever been a part of a, a leadership team that builds a building, when your church moves into that building, it's, there's a, a palpable sense in which everybody just takes their, like catches their breath. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of yeah. okay. We can rest. We got. We got it. We got it done. Um, multi-site is the exact opposite of that. It's never done, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and so the court, like when I said the competency earlier, yeah. you need staff people who realize I get to train and build into people nonstop, always as a core part of my job, and we're always going to be sending people out. And uh, that's a big shift. Yeah, it's it a is. big shift from building a place to building a model that keeps generating this over and over and over again. Yeah, that's a great yeah. word. It is. So you've been around multi-site for, for quite a while now, and you've probably seen some shifts take place. Tell us a little bit about the shifts in philosophy or methodology just over the years as you've been around it. Yeah, so it started um, like, like with the Willow Creeks of the world, you know, very gifted uh, leadership teams and highly resourced church contexts and um, those guys pioneered a model uh, that reproduced a core part of um, their churches, which was the Sunday morning experience. Mm. You know, so it was uh, the same teacher across all the locations, uh, the same worship experience, the same kind of look and feel to the uh, to the rooms. You know, in the different environments, kids' rooms, or you know, if you're going to have coffee, that looked and felt the same. You know, all that. Yeah kind of stuff that um, was a core part of the, the original location. Um, 
you know, 20 years in, or, or actually a little more than 20 years in, uh, what's happened, and this is what I meant by, you know, getting all the way to me in Ruston, um, it, it, multi-site went through all these different uh, adaptations as it, as churches who didn't have the, like, well-known pastor, you know, multi-million dollar budgets, the incredible resources and all of that, but still wanted to reach out. You know, we're still as motivated by mission as anybody else in the church. And you guys know this in Arkansas. I, I certainly experienced it in Louisiana. We just get creative with what we have, Yeah, you know, mm. and, uh, and that was going on all around the country, not just in rural settings, but in very urban settings. Um, you know, you guys, uh, I'm teaching with Andy Addis from Kansas. Yeah. Andy's a good friend, one of my favorite voices in the multi-site movement. You know, they're doing this in a place where there's just one grain elevator and a stoplight that they have a <laughs> yeah. campus. I mean, yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's fascinating. Uh, so what we've learned is there, we, we teach there's, I won't take the time to do it now cause it's a pretty long, um, piece, but there's about five or six identifiable waves that multi-site has as a movement has gone through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think where the forms look radically different depending on like how much money you have to launch it what your expectations are when you launch it, how big the campuses are, what the difference in scale is from the, you know, original location to what mm-hmm. they're launching. All those are just sort of fingerprints. And we, we always tell people there's, if there's 5,000 multi-site churches, there's really five different fingerprints because uh, they, they all resolve those different. What we've seen though, and this is, it's really fascinating to study in all those different expressions, the tensions are still the same. Yeah. The, the core tensions are still the same, which is how do you create something that doesn't like if you're the leader, Chad, and you want to create something that's going to work, but you're not ever going to be there hmm. or you're going to be there very rarely. Yeah. Hmm. What do you have to do in order for that to work? Yeah. What do you have to invest in people? What do you have to do to empower them? How do you give them, you know, clear expectations? And those are different expectations, right. but that competence, that competency is the same. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and, and you're kind of, um, I guess, majoring in one of those kind of new shifts right now with the radical multi-site micro, you know, expressions of multi-site kind of unpack some of that a little bit, what you're seeing, maybe Andy Addis is a great example of some of that, I think, uh, in Hutchinson, Kansas, because such a rural area, uh, they're not reproducing mega campuses everywhere they right. go and his campus that he passes is not even the largest that they have which right. i think is awesome with him but kind of talk about you know that shift to micro sites and maybe a couple of examples of guys are doing that really well well the or first part's easy to answer the second part of doing it really well <laughs> is a little harder to answer i i would say this expression of the church trying to move out the, the smaller, quicker, uh, cheaper models of reproduction are where multi-site was in its earliest days. Hmm. Uh, we don't know what we don't know. Or, yeah. you know, I think for me, I have a theological conviction that we actually do know it as the body of Christ. We've just forgotten it. You yeah. know, I think, I think it's in us. That DNA of reproduction is in us. Um, but but it's, we've sort of locked it up. Yeah. Uh, and we're relearning how to do it. 
Um, so it's harder for me to identify, man, here's some places just knocking it out of the park. Um, I love what Andy's doing. When Aunt, we had a that language, radical multi-site, came out of a learning community that Jim and I led uh, for, for 18 leading multi-site churches. The, the biggest were a part of it. The most innovative were a part of it. And we were trying to learn from one another. And uh, Andy was so funny because uh, he, he and his team, they were asked, okay, what's your model? And he said, I don't think we have one. Our model is basically just what can we do? Like, <laughs> yeah. Can we do it? Then let's do it. Yeah. You know? And then they figure uh, everything else out as they go. Yeah. Um, I think those are the guys who are pushing this uh, microsite or like reproducing smaller uh, expressions of the church, you know, in a multiplying way, those are the guys pushing that forward. Yeah. It's like the, so this is what we describe for folks. And this language is out there in a lot of different places. Um, Ed Stetzer and Daniel M use this imagery uh, in their rewrite of planting missional churches. We used it a few years back um, in our learning community. I don't even know who to give credit to, but, but the idea is that, that some churches are elephants and they can reproduce elephants in long, slow, generally successful ways. Other churches are rabbits, and they're going to put 100 rabbits out there like rabbits multiply, you know, and yeah. 40 of them will make it, but 60 won't, or, no, or worse, you know, whatever that thing is. Um, where we are right now is our elephant churches don't know how to do rabbit ministry, you know, yeah. and they're asking – uh, what what can we do? We're going to keep doing the elephant thing. It works, and people are coming to know Christ, and they're being discipled and and equipped and released. But that can't be it because we're not making a big enough dent yeah. in the, in our cities. Uh, so they're they're not. There's a holy discontent that that model is insufficient. Yeah, and that's pushing this effort on. The smaller side, I think the lay leader conversation is a big part of that. A sense of personal calling is a big part of that. But we don't have all the answers figured out around how to sustain that, how to fund it, how to structure it. So I would say there's probably 15 churches that I interact with regularly around this question. Um, and they're all frustrated and excited at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're frustrated because we all like to know what we're doing, yeah. you know, and feel, feel good at it. And we're not, yeah. uh, but they're excited because it is working. There's, yeah. there's something to it. Well, and I think I heard you say this, if I may be giving you credit that, do somebody else, but I'm going to give you credit for this. <laughs> but uh, talking about the starting points for, um, traditional multi-site versus the radical multi-site that more traditional multi-site is we're reaching all these people don't have a place to put them we need to create some more space so another site another campus whatever for all these people we're reaching whereas with the radical multi-site it's who are we not reaching and how can we break into those pockets of people that we're not reaching um, yes. and that's a very different kind of approach and philosophy is. is that are, are you seeing that as a, a pretty hard fast kind of rule as we move into radical multi-site or is, is there blending yeah that's a great question if i didn't say that i would have wanted to yeah uh, yeah i, I think it was you <laughs> <laughs> i think what you described was wave one of multi-site we're out of space uh, these evangelists like Bill Hybels and those guys are not going to ever say we're full, like you yeah. can't come. And so they, they wrestled with this question of, of um, being out of space, but not wanting to 
you know, turn people away and it created more space. Yeah. And, and the way that we've talked through that, it, you know, when we teach this stuff is if you think of the megachurches as, as a, and it is a rel- relatively new model, yeah. it was please come. Hmm. You know? Right. Um, and multi-site was one of the first things that happened in that model where it turned outward yeah. and stepped out of that box, which is a, a powerful thing. Yeah. Um, but for the first wave, it tend it tended to work best in places that were most like the original location. Mm-hmm. So that's still, I think if we were all rightly viewing ourselves as missionaries, we would embrace, okay, we know that works. Yeah. We know we can do ministry in this way to this group of people and go to other similar places and reproduce that. Yeah. The holes in the model though are all the other people in our cities or communities that you know, we're not reaching through that approach. And I think that that is an accurate expression of where we are today, Dave. It's yeah. the leaders we talk to over and over and over again. They're not driven by, let's just have a bigger church or, you know, I think our buildings are getting smaller. We're doing more with less. But there is a, the word I've been using lately more than radical multi-site is just, it is a more missional multi-site conversation. Yeah. Huh. yeah. We know how to do the big model. And, and I mean big relatively because yeah. we have smaller and smaller churches doing that model. Right. But there's also a desire, you know, to, to set aside some money, empower some leaders, and just start trying uh, these smaller expressions of church. Yeah. It's really encouraging yeah. uh, to be out there on the edge with, with some of that stuff. Yeah. And I do have, when I'm there, I'll share some examples of churches that uh, – where they are in their conversations. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a much needed um, addition to the multi-site conversation. And from a uh, purely missional standpoint, you know, how can we engage lost people that we have not engaged yet? Uh, we're a pretty homogenous you know, group of people typically. And so that's a great way to uh, yeah. you know, engage some folks that are different from us. So uh, that's great. Well, I'm looking forward to that yeah, conversation. Absolutely. And so, uh, all right. Well, we're going to wrap up our time with you with just a real quick segment we call Rapid Fire, where we just okay. want your one word. <laughs> These responses. are really serious questions here. Very, very serious. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Did Let me you shift gears because you had me fully engaged there, Dave. <laughs> multi site. I was in full on multi site yeah, mode. I'm I, telling I you. Just, yeah. There's well, no pressure. And we're going to unpack a lot of that a whole lot more when you're here in October. Yeah. And uh, real excited about that. Uh, I am too. Got a great group of uh, pastors and leaders coming in, planters, some planters, mm-hmm. some uh, a lot of established church guys, and uh, I, I can't wait for them to to interact with you. And and yeah. uh, uh, man, you you've been a huge help to me in thinking through so much of this stuff, and we're excited to to let other guys interact with you and learn from you as well. So, well, thank you. I'm I'm super excited about it too. Yeah, I can't wait. Fun, it's gonna be fun. All right, what's the top one or two books that had the most impact on you? Uh, number one would be, um, from success to significance. Hmm. Uh, it was, uh, about the fourth iteration of stories coming out of halftime. Um, and it wasn't really the content of the book as much as it was the, the story of the author. Uh, it gave me permission to chart a course out of the marketplace into the church and the biggest thing it did was it gave me responsibility for charting that course. Like mm-hmm. nobody's going to, that course isn't out there. Nobody's going to do it for me. Yeah. 
and it gave me the uh, encouragement to go just actually start trying to find a way. Yeah. What uh, what would you say your biggest strength in ministry, your biggest challenge in ministry? Uh, that's changed over the years. Um, I'm 45 now, and uh, and I meet with a lot of teams who are in their 20s and 30s, and and I feel like I've I've got a growing voice with them on how to do this in a way that's sustainable, yeah. where their ministry flourishes, their family flourishes, their, their um, churches flourish. I'm, I'm a big believer in the long haul now, uh, whereas in my 20s and, and early 30s, I think one of my downfalls in ministry was thinking I could get it all done that year. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. if you put it on a list, I could get it done. Um, uh. And we all we all can do that, but it took being on the other side of some of those for a while to see what it was actually producing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Favorite hobby or pastime? Uh, right now, my kids are. I have three kids, middle school through high school, so this is kind of our last season all together. And a dog, and, uh, as it turns out, right? Yeah, kids do you hear the dog? dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad we're on this segment now. Anything for me, the life-giving thing right now in my, in my life, I'm like personally, is anything we can do together. Mm. You know, I feel like I just see the sand slipping through. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's more than a hobby, but that's that's where my mind goes when I have downtime. Awesome. My oldest uh, moves into college for the first time Saturday. I heard you mention that. So, uh, I, I made a little note to come yep. back to you about that. Yeah, and yeah. I have a son who's a senior. Uh, will be a senior this year, so he's right behind her. So we yep. have four kids, and so two of them back to back are headed off, and mm. it's just it's been a weird summer with that. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. so we're about we're on, we're doing the visits. So yeah. I can I can mm. I get a little foretaste of it, but yeah, uh, yeah I can't imagine what you're doing, Dave. Coming or, soon. Yeah. Favorite movie? Uh, I got asked that a week or so ago. Um, my my uh, ancient roots are Scottish, and I just let my middle school son watch Braveheart, <laughs> uh, and I didn't remember how gory it was. Mm. Yeah. But man, the storylines of Braveheart are just mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, you know how many so guys I, have I, said Braveheart on this podcast? I, I can't imagine. Uh, a bunch. <laughs> yeah. A bunch. <laughs> church planting. There's something about church planting and Braveheart well, that and, just go and hand this in is hand. The first time I saw it through the lens of, of my son, hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, it, that was the one that's on my mind right now. Yeah. yeah. Favorite band or musician you got? Uh, what I've been listening to lately is Josh Garrels. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys know Josh. Yeah. He, uh, he has a different model. He just releases his music for free Yeah. and, uh, then tours in support of it. But I, I didn't know Josh. I watched him play at Catalyst. It's the first time I've ever seen, you know, they have the music going on mm-hmm. when everybody's coming back in the room just to sort of settle everyone down. And he was playing, and instantly, when people would walk in the room, they would stop talking. Yeah, uh, they would pay attention. His lyrics, uh, his voice—they're just powerful. He so, has a very yeah. unique voice. He does. He does. Unique style. I, he's the guy I would put on in any setting. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, those are the burning questions that our listening oh, public wants to know. I, I, I thought you were going to put me on the spot. <laughs> 
well, for some, those are the toughest questions they answer. Oh, I can and, imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, Wade, man, thanks so much for coming on. This this is great. Uh, can't wait till October. That's going to be a lot of fun. And, yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to it. We'll be releasing more information about that event uh, actually later this week. So, uh, uh, and should have a list of invitees coming your way and, and awesome. so you can get a picture of who all's going to be there. So, man, thanks a bunch. And uh, yep. we'll be talking to you soon. Great conversation with Wade. Uh, I've gotten to know Wade for a couple years now, and and man, it's such a he's such a smart dude, and uh, and I you know he, he, you know working for multi-site solutions now for a few years, and and uh, uh, you know this is a guy that did it, um, did it well, you know, uh, and then you know people recognize that, so Jim Tomberlin brought him on, and so as he talks to guys, he's not talking as a theorist or somebody that's read a bunch of books and is really smart i mean he's done this he you know experienced all these tensions and 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 answered all the questions as much as they could in their context and and so uh, i can't wait for arkansas guys to interact with him coming up uh he's just a legit dude and uh a couple of things he said that i I loved um his whole idea that multi-site is a competency that they're yeah that was that was gold right there, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know that. Because <laughs> um, it uh, there's a whole set of issues that come with this that make up uh, a, a competency that you you got to deal with, whether it's staff, whether it's leadership, whether it's location, whether it's finances. Uh, I mean, uh, so many different things. And so it is its own deal that is separate from just pastoral leadership, that's separate from church planting, that's separate from you know, all these things. And so I thought that was fan, fantastic. And and then also the fact that multi-site introduces tensions that don't go away. Mm. Uh, and we've experienced this at Summit. You know, I talked a little bit about it in the interview that, that uh, you know, when you send out 115 or 180 of your best, um, that's, that's awesome and it's kingdom expansion and more people are going to be reached with the gospel because we did that. But then now all of a sudden you have 40 holes in your kids ministry mm. and student ministry and your point teams and uh, your guest ministry and, and your small group leaders and <laughs> all of that stuff. and and uh, But at the same time, it, both times we planted Summit Conway and Summit Saline County, we planted Summit Conway. There were 115 people that, that went to, to help do that. Within a year or so, we'd replaced all of those, and the church was larger than when they'd sent. The main campus was larger when they'd sent those out. And this last time sending Zach Reno and and uh, the 180 folks, or 160 from the main campus, I think, and then 180 total uh, out. So in April, uh, March, April, um, now have replaced you know all of our kids workers that gone here beginning of August, and so God just continues to replace those that we sent out, which I think is important to, to understand. That is always going to be a tension when you become adopt a sending posture mm-hmm. for either church planting or mission field or, or multi-site or whatever. That tension is not ever going to go away. So you have to shift from, now I've got my folks, we can take a deep breath and go to, okay, now I have a whole new tra- pe- group of people to train. A whole, and then we're going to send them out, and then we'll have another whole group of people to train. And so that was that's those are great things to think through and wrestle with. Yeah, you got to have people and leaders who can do leadership development when that's part of your culture. Yeah. If you don't, you you don't have anybody to 
replace the people yeah. you send out, or, or even you don't even have people to send. Yeah, um, I loved I loved his personal testimony about kind of going from the pew to the pulpit. Yeah, if you will, and I I think that's something we're trying to get um, that that idea into Arkansas churches more that there's people sitting in our pews today who God is calling to do something uh, more than just be involved in the church but maybe lead in the church yeah. or plant a church yeah. or whatever so uh, i like that um the i love what he said about you know most churches kind of operate in this come please come mentality and yeah. there's the whole uh ch- churches that are subtracting churches are adding and churches that are multiplying so the the subtracting churches are saying Please stay. Yeah. The uh, attracting churches, the addition churches are saying, please come. And then the multiplication churches are saying, please go. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, yeah. what I, that's what came to mind when he said that. And I do think that's a, that's a mindset that's very hard to get to yeah. when you're actually thinking of sending people. But I, I don't know that I've ever heard of a church, and you, you may have, that did something like Summit's doing or, or whoever else – and they ended up just going away or closing or yeah. hurt them to the point that they never recovered. You just don't – and maybe they're out there. I'm sure they're out there, but you just never hear – you always hear, well, and then a bunch of people came and or we reached a bunch of new people that we never reached. It's just – it's just there's just something about a culture of sending and multiplying that is just all the, all the time growing and life-giving. Yeah, and yeah. So I thought that was cool. Well, and there is there is a reality to the fact that there are only so many leadership positions, you know, in a church, no matter how big you get. Yeah. And so if you're not sending people out continually, then then you can't really plug in and develop new leaders. There's no place to plug them in and develop. That's an interesting them. thought. Yeah. And, and so, and that's one of the things that there there are people sitting in the chairs at Summit that have not led in kids ministry or whatever before maybe because they didn't think they could or just wasn't on the radar wasn't the right season or whatever but all of a sudden when people leave there are openings that have got to be filled and all of a sudden god begins to place in them a desire to you know to step up and serve in a way that they have not before um whether there was opportunity or you know lack of willingness or whatever i mean a bunch of different reasons for that and uh, and I just can't help but think that when that happens, there are there are always people like Wade, who are lawyers or doctors or or whatever, uh, who are sitting there and all of a sudden now have an opportunity to lead, and significant things start to happen, and then God begins to stir something in them that was not before. I think there's a mindset with some of our church leaders, and kind of like this that. Okay, Wade Burnett's a lawyer. Why would he want to come on church staff? Mm-hmm. You know, why would he want to leave that career and do that? He's making a lot of money. You know, that, I mean, that's a that's a great career. He's gone to all that school. He's done all this stuff. Why would he leave that to come to this? Uh, and instead of, you know, what if God were to lead Wade to do this? Mm. What would we do with him if God chooses <laughs> to do this? Right. And I know there are people out there, there's just nobody giving them that opportunity or asking them, have you ever thought about this? Yeah. Yep. You know, and yep. so uh, I, you know, I just, I hope we can get there one day and, and maybe this, you know, stuff we're doing with Wade and 
working with him will be a catalyst for some of that. But yeah. uh, you know, so. as a side note, too, I'm legally changing my name to Buddy Chad. So Buddy I just Chad. wanted to point that out. <laughs> Which happened before we got on the podcast, but Dave said, hey, Wade, I don't think you've met my buddy, Chad. And and Wade thought you said, hey, this is buddy, Chad. And so, and so Wade popped back with, hey, buddy. And it was... It was, uh, and then we had this big discussion about how important punctuation is. Commas are a big deal. Commas man. are a big deal. They're, yeah. they're, if yeah. I sh- if I would have verbalized the comma between Buddy and Chad, <laughs> or if it enunciated my uh, a little bit stronger than the, <laughs> <laughs> it just made me laugh. So. Oh, that was funny. I kind of like the name Buddy Chad. Buddy Chad. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That sounds like a southern lawyer, you know, or banker, or I don't know. Come see me to get your home loan, buddy Chad. <laughs> uh, uh, used car dealer. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we digress. Okay. Well, great time with Wade, and uh, looking forward to more more stuff with him. All right. We're going to kick it over to story time with Uncle Neil now. It's story time with Uncle Recently, there were two churches that came together to make an impact in their community. First Baptist Church Fordyce and Fordyce Community Baptist Church. What makes this combination so unique is that one church is predominantly black and the other predominantly white. In today's racially charged society, these two pastors, Pastor Roderick Rogers from Fordyce Community Baptist Church and Pastor Rusty Ross from First Baptist Church Fordyce, wanted to make a statement. They wanted to state that they were one in the kingdom. They joined forces one Saturday to host an event called Impact Fordyce. They had a block party, handed out food boxes, cut yards, and even painted an entire house all in one day. There were over 200 people that attended the block party and countless others that were positively affected by Impact Fordyce. We want to hear your story. Email us at thegrind at absc.org. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? I'm still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. All right. Uh, for bookshelf this week, uh, we got a couple of dandies. Uh, is, can you call a book a dandy? I believe you can. Hey, I just did. You just so, did. Uh, you can. We're starting a new trend. Uh, so uh, just read uh, Church Zero by Peyton Jones and uh, had a conversation with Peyton this week, and we are going to be getting him on the pad- podcast. The, uh, we had Thai food today, and now I can't talk. Uh, getting him on the podcast coming up this fall, and really excited about that. Uh, seems like a super nice guy. And his book, Church Zero, is one of the funnest books I've read in a while. Yeah. Um, he, if, I don't, I don't even know how to describe this. He, it's all about um, the APEST, uh, fivefold ministry model, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, a very practical outworking of what does that look like in the local church. He is, uh, planted churches in Wales, was a missionary in Wales, has planted churches in San Diego, California, Long Beach area of California, um, is a church planting catalyst for NAM now on the West Coast. And uh, uh, it, it, there are all kinds of 80s pop culture references <laughs> 
that were so much fun. He references Voltron all the <laughs> way through, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Karate Kid. It's kind of an, an homage to his childhood all the way through the book. Uh, it's kind of a man's man's guide to the fivefold ministry. And uh, it was just like some of the analogies and metaphors and pictures he painted all the way through. I just laughed. Was so funny, uh, you know. This this might be you might call this uh, Thor's guide to church planting, <laughs> you know, and uh, kind of a superhero's uh, guide to church planting. He is an funny. evangelist. That is his heartbeat and passion to see lost people saved, and and just the way he unpacks both biblically and practically uh, the whole fivefold. This is a uh, probably a little more accessible book than some of Alan Hirsch and Michael Frost stuff for folks. So if you're looking for a good unpacking of what Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher looks like biblically and how Mm. it works out in the church, this is a great resource. a fun read. It's not a hard read. Um, I mean, he's just, he knows his stuff, but strong case for all of those giftings uh, being made evident in the church and the reasons why and what happens when it doesn't happen. Fantastic book. Can't recommend it enough. So Church Zero by Peyton Jones. Yeah, sounds good. I, I actually think this episode uh, would go really well with Gaining by Losing by J.D. Greer. I was thinking yeah. about that because really that shift from addition to multipli- multiplication is is huge, which Greer talks about that uh, multiplication trumps addition every time. Um, the lost people aren't coming to us, so what are we going to do to get to them? So we've got to go to the places where they are. Um, he, he talks about um, people have this nagging sense that they ought to be doing something more mm-hmm. in the pew. And so he talks about leadership development and raising up people in your churches to send them out. He said, uh, we have to constantly raise up discipling leaders. And I thought that was, that was kind of cool. So a uh, really good book for how to become a sending church, mm-hmm. how to be a church that's in the multiplication to, to sending out and what the thought process is behind that. And uh, I think I even mentioned this in the wrap up that, you know, he's, he's another story of a guy who keeps giving yeah. people away and, and, and it's just like, they can't give people away fast enough. Yeah. You know, you can't out give God, you can't out multiply God. Um, he, here, here's a quote though, that stood out that um, kind of, I think, piggybacks on what wade said about it's twice as hard to plant a campus you know it's just to keep your campus uh jd greer says what's good for the kingdom is not always good for your church yeah and so are you going to pick the kingdom over your over your church yeah when it's difficult um so uh he also said the church doesn't gather around a leader but it but it's actually a leadership factory you know you should be raising up sending out leaders so uh, great book. It's one. It's one I've read uh, uh, a, a while back, but really appreciate just his multiplication in sending um, ideas, and I think it fits well with Wade and what, yeah. what he was talking about today. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there are not many people that have done that better than J.D. Greer. Yeah. I mean, he really is a multiplying catalytic leader, and so. Uh, all right. Well, great stuff today. Uh, you know, we've got some cool interviews coming up. Um, Sam Roberts, uh, pastor at First Baptist in Stuttgart, going to talk about 
his partnership experiences over the years with church planting. Uh, my buddy Darren Neely, uh, uh, you can call him Buddy Darren. And, buddy uh, Darren? Yeah, Buddy Darren. Mm-hmm. Uh, at uh, Teaching pastor at the Met Church in Houston. We planted City Church in Little Rock together uh, several years ago and looking forward to having him on. And then, as we mentioned, Peyton Jones, uh, who wrote Church Zero, as well as has a podcast called the uh, Hardcore Church Planting podcast and uh gonna have him on and just talked to yesterday uh jd Payne, uh who's the church planning catalyst at brook hills church where david platt was uh in alabama uh jd's gonna be on he's been in arkansas before and gonna be on the podcast so a great guy great apostolic kind of leader so looking forward to that and um y'all come uh absc annual meeting coming up in november we got a lot of church planning stuff going on there uh, got a really cool young leaders panel this year. We're going to do uh, talking about cross cultural engagement. Uh, excited about that and the potential that could come out of that. And and so hopefully you guys come join us for that in November. And uh, check us out the Twitters, uh, Facebook. Uh, write a review on iTunes. We got some coffee mugs and some books with your names on them. And uh, would love to have some some new reviews up on iTunes. You guys help us out a lot when you do that. We're growing uh, as a podcast. We're getting new listeners all the time, so thank you for that. And uh, I think we've got uh, uh, some uh, potential surveys coming up uh, on the Twitters that our lovely production minister, Nick Burt, is going to put out. So I'll be watching for that on the Twitters. Yeah, we want to hear from you guys on what you like, what you want more of, yep. what you know, what's who you want to hear from, yeah, all that good so stuff. Give us some feedback. And, th- and there's, you know... All the smart Alex out there, Joel Osteen, uh, Andy Swart, I'm calling you out. Uh, but uh, some legitimate uh, folks. I mean, there are some folks that you guys are ungettable unless you have a personal connection. Uh, I would love to have Tim Keller on the podcast. Yeah, if we but I don't know Tim Keller. If we weren't the Upward Basketball Podcasts, we could probably get Tim Keller. Yeah, we, we probably could. We're still in the Upward category. Oh, we are. We are. And we are. We know who we are. That's right. And we're, we're That's okay right. with that. No offense to our previous guests and <laughs> yeah. their caliber of leadership. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Chad, for offending everybody. So, <laughs> no, but let, let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we just want to keep making this better and better. And you guys can help us do that. And uh, be nice, but let us know uh, what you think. So until next time, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm out. Keep grinding. <laughs>